This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Janice Dean. I'm David Asman. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, July 8th, 2022. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. The director of the FBI and the head of Britain's MI5 are cautioning companies before they do business with or in China, and for companies already there to be more vigilant. I actually have been telling friends and constituents that I know that are involved with business in China, I suggested that they start to try and find their way out, and I started doing that really a couple of years ago. I'm Dave Anthony. Britain needs a new prime minister. Boris Johnson is resigning in scandal. It's not good to tell fibs, and it's even more embarrassing uh, when you get caught out in them. And it's even more embarrassing when there are a series of these scandals. And I'm DeRoy Murdoch. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The director of Britain's MI5 said Wednesday, that day was the first time his agency and the FBI had shared a public platform ever. We're doing so to send the clearest signal we can on a massive shared challenge. China. Ken McCallum told university and business leaders to be careful. He said he wasn't criticizing the Chinese people or saying that the West needs to cut China off. But he did quote China's president, Xi Jinping, who said they need to research asymmetrical steps to catch up and overtake the West. It means that if you're involved in cutting edge tech, AI, advanced research or product development, the chances are your know-how is of material interest to the CCP. And if you have or are trying for a presence in the Chinese market, you'll be subject to more attention than you might think. It's been described as the biggest wealth transfer in human history. FBI Director Christopher Wray said he understands the desire to do business in China, but that their Ministry of State Security will focus in on U.S. companies large and small in urban and rural settings. It wants to, in his words, ransack. Folks that focus on everything from aviation to AI to pharma. We've even caught people affiliated with Chinese companies out in the U.S. heartland sneaking into fields to dig up proprietary genetically modified seeds. But he said China's main way in is through cyber, like their recent attack on Microsoft Exchange email servers. He recalled that American companies working in China were required by law in 2020 to install tax software, which then delivered malware onto their networks. He said the Chinese government even interfered with a New York congressional race, trying to prevent a Tiananmen Square protester from running. So when you deal with a Chinese company, know that you're also dealing with the Chinese government. That is the MSS and the PLA, also almost like your silent partners. Ray warned that if China invades Taiwan, the losses to American businesses will be far worse than losses incurred due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And both he and McCallum implored university and business leaders to work with their agencies. Ray said they can arm businesses with technical details and help them lessen the effects of an attack. I think it was uh, in the making for some time, to be quite honest with you. And I think you're gonna see more of this type of thing 
between our allies. Brad Wenstrup is a Republican congressman from Ohio. And you're seeing more and more unification of our efforts with Australia, the UK, and basically what we call the Five Eyes Nations when it comes to combating China and their aggressiveness and uh, nefarious things that they've been doing in an effort to, to increase their stature in the world. And so I think it was a good thing that they came together. Uh, I have read what they had to say and, and gone over it. And I think that it was important that we get this message out. I actually have been telling friends and constituents that I know that are involved with business in China. I suggested that they start to try and find their way out. And I started doing that really a couple of years ago because we were seeing the types of things that were taking place and they, how they tried to influence in the United States. But then through businesses, we see quite an effort there for them to steal intellectual property, to use economic power over businesses, sometimes trying to influence our politics through businesses and through relationships that they might develop. You know, we see things like sister cities, and sometimes those are efforts they make to form these bonds, and then they have entities that work to get the city or their leaders in certain cities to not speak out against the actions of China and to not befriend Taiwan. So they're trying to use their influence wherever they can. I was a surgeon in Iraq, and if you'd have told me that my protective equipment and pharmaceuticals relied on China, I would say, I wonder how we got here. And we have to start reversing this trend because since President Xi has been the leader of this country, we have seen these types of behaviors grow and grow, and they're very sophisticated. They're very good at it, and they will start at a local level with politicians that they may see on the rise that they can build relationships with and try to have influence on. Yeah, the director of MI5 said they don't want to cut China off. That's not the goal. And FBI Director Ray said we're not trying to keep businesses from doing business in China, but here are the stakes, and we just want to lay them out. Like, you could be hacked. You could have to turn over a lot of your IP. And they asked people to work with the FBI and MI5. Like, if you have an issue, give us a heads up. We'll even share technical details with you. You referenced that you've talked to business leaders and business owners about maybe moving out of China. Given these stark warnings from the intelligence communities, does that start to happen more? Does this give that push? And how do you help businesses get out of China? Because it's one thing to reconsider going there in the first place, but if your infrastructure is already set up there, I imagine that's quite an undertaking to leave. Yeah, well, you know, ever since the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we've had no inversions of corporations leaving America, and we have had some come back. And so we need to be competing globally, and so that's on behalf of Congress and other areas where we can make sure that we are competing globally, and that will help businesses tremendously. So that's something on our end. But I, I do agree with what he had to say, and I want us to be able to have trade with other countries, but not to the point where it puts us in jeopardy and where our national security is at risk. So what they were saying is, you know, be vigilant when you're engaging with foreign entities, any foreign entities. You have to be vigilant of what's going on and what that relationship is like and, and who's really running who. Really, when you're in the Chinese realm of things, no one is really free of Beijing's control. And so it, and it's also good. I think they're encouraging people to share their experiences with others to develop best practices for security if you are going to engage with China or any other country. 
and check all the boxes and make sure that what you're doing is going to be above board for everyone and that you are protected from your intellectual property, from the economics of everything involved. And it's, it's just important. You don't want to find yourself being dependent on China in any relationship. I know the House and Senate have been working on a bill uh, meant to make us more competitive with China. I know it's had a number of names. I think um, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell called it the USICA. Is is that what it's called right now? This is the Anti-Competition Act? Yeah, and those are some of the things we're looking at. And for the Competes Act, for example, I have an amendment that would make sure that we're taking a look at and asking to take a look at where the Communist China um, Chinese Party has invested in ports around the world since 2012. They make these investments, and then they're in, basically, in that country. And they may go to a, a country, for example, and say, uh, well, hey, we'll build you a port for your fishing industry. But ironically, uh, now that country is beholden to them, and that port actually was built perfectly for one of their carriers to pull up. And so we need to enact some legislation that's going to have some teeth to it. Uh, and at the same time, just on another front, if I can, you know, what's going on in Ukraine is a lot of lessons learned for China. And as they have their eyes on Taiwan. And they're trying to figure out ways now that where they may be able to fight sanctions that did have an effect on Russia and how they can get around those types of things if there's to be an action there. So they're watching every move uh, that we make, and we need to be making sure that we're watching every move that they make. Talk to me, though, about the USICA bill, because I understand that because it has not passed yet, Intel has not moved forward on the semiconductor chip plants that they announced they were going to build in Ohio. You're an Ohio congressman. Is this, in fact, not moving forward? Well, I hope that it is. I don't know if this is, you know, sort of a negotiation type of event taking place right now. Uh, The premise, you know, for Intel was that there would be some federal dollars coming in. And personally, as far as tax breaks, you know, I mentioned what we did with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. To me, this is in the same vein, but we're targeting areas where we have found ourselves at risk. Semiconductors is the perfect example of uh, how we are dependent. Our supply chain is dependent, which puts our national security at risk, our health security at risk. And so we want to see these types of investments coming to, well, in my case, Ohio, but more as important as the United States of America. So we do need to get this done. I think people recognize the urgency. Uh, Right now, Republicans don't hold the gavels. um, And this is in uh, conference committee. So we will see if they come up with something that we can all agree on and get something out the door. But Senate Minority Leader McConnell has said they won't support USICA if Democrats pursue elements of build back better through reconciliation, like legislation that can get passed without Republican support. Um, How much does that complicate things? And and do you as a Republican support McConnell on this? Or should this issue trump that issue of, of any sort of reconciliation bill? I think when it comes to national security and the Constitution requires us to provide for the defense of the United States, that that, that partisan issues should be taken out of out of any type of bill like this. You know, you look at the National Defense Authorization Act as it comes out of the House of Representatives. You know, it 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 historically has always passed with overwhelming bipartisan support. And you might have 500 amendments that are voted up and down, but people recognize the importance of what we are doing and what we are trying to do 
to protect our country. And I would hope that that's going to be the approach from Democrats rather than trying to put partisan issues into something that should be completely nonpartisan. It's really, really important for the country. And I hope that they understand that. This is not the place to be doing this. This is for the defense of our country, for our economic security, for our, our national security, militarily, etc. So there's no place for that in this type of a bill, in my mind, because of the national security importance. One more for you. Um, back to Director Ray speaking um, about China possibly invading Taiwan, uh, as some U.S. military officials predict they will within this decade. Um, Ray said that will damage businesses even more than the, the effects of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. What is U.S. industry supposed to do with that particular warning? And does it present a different challenge than the warnings they've already issued. Like, is that more supply chain related? Like, if there's a war, we're not really shipping things back and forth from China like we are now, would, would we? No, I mean, you, you see the separation from Russia with their actions in Ukraine. And so beware, you know, that there may be some action that China takes that's going to jeopardize the relationship between the United States and, and China. And I don't think China really wants that or they should not want that because, look, they have benefited tremendously from U.S. presence in China. So they have a lot to lose from this as well. But we don't want it to fall on all of our businesses that have invested there. But we want them to be forewarned uh, that they are aggressive. They are on the prowl. They have been uh, taking over South China Sea. They want Taiwan. They don't make any bones about it. You saw how they went into Hong Kong and really violated the agreement that was taken there for them to be autonomous. So this is a warning to, to uh, the United States and our businesses there. Unfortunately, a lot of this has developed over 50 years, and it's hard to turn back the clock. So in my mind, I was trying to warn people even sooner, people that have businesses there, I would say you might want to try to find a way to unwind there. And and hopefully they will take heed. And I think it was important to show that this was not just coming from one government and that the message has to be clear amongst uh, free nations that China is on a path that we need to be cautious about and uh, be prepared to have to make a change if necessary. Ohio Republican Congressman Brad Wenstrup, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. This is DeRoy Murdoch with your Fox News commentary coming up. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's another Brexit, but this time it's Britain's prime minister on his way out. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. And Boris Johnson, in announcing his resignation in London, said he's proud of his achievements. From getting Brexit done to settling our relations uh, with the continent. And he took credit for how he handled the pandemic. Delivering the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe, the fastest exit from lockdown, and in the last few months, 
leading the West in standing up to Putin's aggression in Ukraine. Though one of the political controversies that helped drag Boris Johnson's popularity way down with the British people was he and his office breaking COVID lockdown rules. The party in and the lion. I'm so sick of him. I think the whole rotten lot need to go. And I think he's doing an enormous amount of damage to politics in this country. But they aren't done with Boris Johnson yet. I've today appointed a cabinet to serve, as I will, until a new leader is in place. Which means he could be prime minister for several more months, which isn't going over well. Ex-Prime Minister John Major calls that unwise and unsustainable. Other fellow conservatives want him out immediately, too. So does the rival Labour Party. President Biden put out a statement that he looks forward to continuing close cooperation with the UK, the closest of American friends and allies. He had reached the point where he simply had almost no political support left among his own party. Ted Bromond is Senior Research Fellow in Anglo-American Relations at the Heritage Foundation's Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom. When that happens in the United Kingdom and you're Prime Minister, it's unfortunately time for you to leave. And so, he's leaving. Now, you said that's the way it is there. Here, we, we have a very different system. But in elections there, people vote for the party... Correct. And then the party that wins the election has a leader and that leader becomes the prime minister, right? Absolutely. We have a very unique and a a very great system in the United States that's meant to check and balance the government. So, for example, you could have President Joe Biden, a Democrat, but you could have a Republican controlled House and Senate in the United Kingdom. That kind of thing is simply impossible. If the parliament is controlled by the conservatives, as it currently is, the prime minister has to be conservative. But as Boris Johnson has found out, although the prime minister has to be conservative, that prime minister does not have to be Boris Johnson. Right. So now they go through this process and he's still going to be the prime minister. I've read a lot of people not happy about that in the UK because this could go on for months, right? Yeah, the the formal replacement process is going to rumble on in, into October. And during that time, Boris Johnson will effectively be a lame duck. He'd be a little bit like a U.S. president uh, who runs for re-election, loses, but gets to stay in office uh, until mid-January. We had that, of and- course, in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, we, we've had that many times in the history of our republic. It's a little bit more difficult in a parliamentary system like Britain's to have uh, someone who's supposed to be leading the House of Commons and leading the government who effectively has no more political power but still has all the responsibility. So there are going to be loud calls, there already are loud calls, for him to leave earlier than that. And it's fair to note, I think, that when Boris Johnson uh, was an MP, He said exactly the same thing about labor prime ministers who are under pressure to depart. So it will be very difficult for him to survive until October. Okay, so let's say he doesn't. Let's say for some reason he realizes he can't be the caretaker prime minister. Then what? Well, then his fellow conservative MPs uh, will have to somehow select uh, another prime minister. They're already selecting another prime minister, so they would have to put a caretaker in 
to be the prime minister until they pick another prime minister? Yeah, and there there are so many ways uh, that you can handle this in the British system, which, as you've already noted, is is unlike the American one. What happened? This guy came in in 2019. He finally led Britain through Brexit. 2016, they voted to leave the European Union. It took several years, but Johnson finally led them out. He was popular, it seemed. They won a lot of votes in 2019. The conservative majority was the biggest one they had had in decades. What went wrong? So many things. Uh, first, of course, there were a series of scandals, uh, partly related to the COVID lockdowns. Uh, Boris Johnson was a very enthusiastic locker downer. Unfortunately, inside his government, his staff were partying away in ways that didn't respect the lockdown requirements. And regardless of what you think about lockdowns, it isn't a good look when people are dying around the country for you to be imposing rules that you yourself then don't really follow. And that kind of hypocrisy cast an enormous pall over the fact that Britain actually did pretty well during COVID. It rolled out vaccines very rapidly. In many ways, the British government responded under Boris Johnson quite effectively to COVID. But that devastating appearance and the reality of hypocrisy is so difficult for ordinary voters to understand or to tolerate, and rightly so. Okay, there are a lot of people who who believe that the, the straw that broke the camel's back, to use the phrase, was uh, an appointment earlier this year of some official in the parliament, right? That that was his undoing? Chris Pincher uh, got in trouble with a sex scandal. And unfortunately, there have been a series of conservative MPs involved in sex scandals. And there have been allegations that the government has not taken these scandals very seriously. So it's partly that the scandals themselves look like more hypocrisy. Uh, what are all these conservative MPs doing groping women or indeed groping men? And secondly, why isn't the government doing anything about them? Just, and, unfortunately, more hypocrisy. And it also didn't help that Johnson initially said that he was unaware of the allegations before he appointed Pincher. And then he had to say, ah, I, I, I knew, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, again, I hate to keep on returning to it, but it's not good to tell fibs. And it's even more embarrassing uh, when you get caught out in them. And it's even more embarrassing when there are a series of these scandals. OK, let's broaden this out. What does a change of leadership mean for relations with the U.S. and also relations, say, with NATO. I mean, we're in the middle of backing Ukraine against the Russian invasion. Well, I mean, this is this is a real tragedy. Uh, I would say that Boris Johnson brought so much of this on himself, unfortunately. But in so many ways, from the COVID vaccines to standing up to Putin, to backing good relations with the United States, to supporting NATO, Boris Johnson was on the right side of the issues, and that obviously includes Brexit. The next prime minister will be a conservative because the conservatives still have a majority in the House of Commons. But 
there are many different kinds of conservatives, and it's possible that they will lean a slightly different way than Boris did on some of these issues. That said, there's strong support in the Conservative Party for standing up to Russia, strong support for backing Brexit, strong support for close relations with the United States and NATO. And it's unlikely that the Conservatives are going to move too far away from any of those positions. The real problem is what happens when the next big election comes around. Are the Conservatives going to be able to win another election without Boris? Okay. When is that? Well, uh, in the UK system, governments can, under some restrictions, hold elections more or less when they want to. Again, very much unlike the American system. Um, Realistically, however, the next election is probably going to be held in 2024. So they've got some time to get themselves out of the enormous ditch that they put themselves in. The economy here in the U.S. has been struggling. There's talk about a recession. We have high inflation. It's not very different over there, is it? Britain's dealing with the same thing. Unfortunately, um, we and the British have made similar, if not identical, mistakes in a lot of areas. And the result has been high inflation, high energy prices, high food prices, and ultimately a great bubble of credit uh, promoted, in our case, by the Fed, uh, in the British case, by the Bank of England. Uh, and a great swelling of government spending, uh, which is helping to drive all of this inflation. And that is sort of the tragedy of of the Boris Johnson administration. In a lot of ways, relating to foreign policy, uh, Boris Johnson was an excellent prime minister. But you take a look at the spending record of his government, and you really can't call it conservative in any meaningful sense. It was a big spending, big administrating big government kind of state. And in domestic terms, it's very hard uh, to to call Boris a successful conservative prime minister. Is there a chance someday that the other side takes over and they have another referendum to rejoin the European Union? Conceivable, um, I think unlikely. Uh, Senior labor politicians have come out and said, We may not like the results of the Brexit referendum, but we have to respect them. And ultimately, if Britain rejoined at this point, it's not rejoining the European Union that's left. The EU has moved on in a lot of ways, and the EU's price for the UK getting back in would be extremely punishingly high. But you can't rule it out. Ted Broman, Senior Research Fellow, Anglo-American Relations at the Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom with the Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Great to be with you and your listeners. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. 
If you've ever wanted to own your own dinosaur, there's a Gorgosaurus up for grabs. Sotheby's says it will be the center of a natural history auction that's doing on July 28th. If you're wondering what a Gorgosaurus looks like, think T-Rex relative, but smaller. The Gorgosaurus was an apex predator that lived in what is now the western U.S. and Canada during the late Cretaceous period and predated the T-Rex by about 10 million years. Its name is Greek for fierce lizard. This is the first time the Gorgosaurus has gone on the auction block, and it's expected to haul in anywhere from 5 to $8 million. The specimen being sold was discovered in 2018 in the Judith River Formation in Montana. It measures nearly 10 feet tall and 22 feet long. That's about the length of three king-size mattresses lined up head to foot. All the other known Gorgosaurus skeletons are in museum collections, so this one is the only one available for private collections. Or if you just want to have the most rad Halloween display on the block. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. It's time for your Fox News commentary. To Roy Murdoch. What's on your mind? Those who argue that critical race theory is a conservative hallucination need look no further than L.A. to see that the right is right yet again. The 600,000 student Los Angeles Unified School District is using taxpayer dollars to train government teachers and staff members to instruct boys and girls that meritocracy, success, and hard work are all, quote, white, unquote. So logically, if you're black, then cacistocracy, or rule by the worst, failure and sloth are just your cup of tea. This is vile, repugnant, racist garbage. Documents unearthed by Fox News Channel's Jessica Chasmar confirm that this implicit unconscious bias training is guided by UCLA professor Tyrone Howard. It contends that whiteness, quote, incorporates an anti-blackness ideology which demonizes that which is furthest from white, unquote. Also, individualism, quote, operates from a survival of the fittest approach that stresses singular pursuit and accomplishment, unquote. When I was in the LAUSD from kindergarten through grade 12, between 1969 and 1982, my government school system did not peddle this sludge. Instead, teachers, counselors, parents, and everyone else encouraged all kids, regardless of race, to focus, learn, strive, and thus prepare for prosperity in this land of abundance and opportunity. Forty years later, my old school district tells black kids that if they believe they can rise by doing their homework, studying hard, and reaching for riches, then they are acting white. America's second largest school district has incubated the self-inflicted cancer of the acting white syndrome, which plagues too many black kids who value intelligence, and injected it into the curriculum. This Democrat-promoted concept is beyond reprehensible. Come November, this is one more reason why Americans, starting with blacks, need to stop voting Democrat and, instead, drive the entire Democrat Party over the closest cliff. These training materials urge dismantling the myth of meritocracy and fighting microaggressions. Among them, quote, everyone can succeed in the society if they work hard enough, unquote. According to these lesson plans, the microaggressors who would express such ugliness must be confronted with the question, quote, so you feel that everyone can succeed in the society if they work hard enough. Can you give me some examples? Okay. Booker T. Washington, this former slave, founded the Tuskegee Institute. Madam C.J. Walker, this one-time launderers earn millions via hair care products. Louis Armstrong, this prostitute's son, co-fathered jazz and scored global stardom. Oprah Winfrey, actress, broadcaster, media tycoon, net worth $2.6 billion. Barack Obama, law professor, legislator, 44th president of the United States. Each of these individuals was born in the USA, worked hard, and succeeded. 
They all made it here while being looked at as black and never running from their blackness. Tens of millions of other blacks have yet to achieve such fame and fortune. Regardless, they own shops, fly planes, cure patients, fix computers, construct houses, cultivate crops, and otherwise flourish through talent and diligence. Those who parrot the filthy lie that blacks cannot soar in America through industriousness because they lack whiteness are the most repugnant, dangerous, and evil racists around. For every white-hooded hate-monger haunting the hinterlands, there are hundreds of diversity specialists diligently advancing racism by preaching the slanderous gospel of black disability. I'm DeRoy Murdoch. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.